We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome into the Kings Beat Podcast, brought to you by Prize Picks. We are a Blue Wire podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320. Joining me today, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm great. We reached the All-Star break. We're going to have a few days of circus-like material coming out of Indianapolis and the all the excitement and fun and silliness that comes with the All-Star game and uh, uh, hopefully some time off for not only the Kings, but you fellas. And I, I think I see our buddy brendan nunez in a new location oh, yeah you can talk about that okay let's I need get my to, intro uh, let's get oh, to brendan nunez from the mm. king's Pulse podcast how are you i'm doing great i'm doing great as sean pointed out and anybody not on the youtube side for the audio listeners uh, in vegas today little sister has a volleyball tournament and that's my excuse to hang out in vegas and got first drink of the trip here figured it was the best time you know, water? To, to throw it out on the pod. Is that um, water? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Of course it's water. Of course it's water. What else would it be? Hydrated. That's water? Been... It is water for well, sure. Well, he's not yeah, old totally. enough to drink, right? He I am of age. Oh, uh, it's all okay. water. We all have water. It's it's yeah, yeah. like... It's great water. It's, it's like our water. version of podcast candles. Oh, that's, shut that's... up. <laughs> I mean, anyone has that. I've got my podcast candle. You leave me alone. I got no candle in the hotel. Apple spice for your curiosity. We're burning through that one. Uh, I see the mini bar behind you, buddy. There is a little bit going on. Yeah, haven't really, you know, just got here a couple hours ago, so still what getting settled. I guess. Mandalay. I got a nice little view of the airport right here. Not a nice view, but it is a view. All right. Of the airport. Yeah. Here's a Monday. A I haven't been to Vegas in a little while. It's been a little while. Oh no, no, I did go last year. I went for Lady Gaga, and it was supposed to be Ed Sheeran, but then Ed Sheeran. Uh, they, the stage, they couldn't fix the stage, and they canceled the show. That's right. Jesus. Um, I got paid two days, so if you guys got number recommendations, let me know. 
Oh, you no. mean, hold on, you're talking Roulette? about gambling? You know, well, you I, know, I already texted you some of that. That's yeah. true. Actually, I asked you and you sent me about seven you different numbers. To, yeah, you don't need to share. You don't need to share with the class. But I will say uh, the, 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 the strategy that I gave you, not that there is strategy when it comes to roulette, but at least the strategy with potential uh, friends and family that might be joining you at said roulette table, that is yeah, basically undefeated. I mean, I've seen it lose, but hmm. uh, if if you say if you went to Vegas and all you lost was a hundred bucks, you had a pretty damn good weekend. So uh, I say if you all go in that way, you could all. Um, I, I've seen it work more times than not. Let's just put it that way. And I'm, we're not going to. We don't have to advance that. I just we'll save it for an off the record conversation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I go straight to passenger fifty seven, which is Sean. What is it? Well, it sounds like you're going to always bet on black. There it is, passenger fifty seven. But, but but can I just say, uh, if you're playing roulette, um, don't bet. You don't need to bet colors. You don't need to. You don't need to bet the colors. You probably shouldn't be playing roulette. And if you don't no, know how to play no, craps, you shouldn't be playing roulette's craps fine. either. Roulette's and fine. if you don't know how to play blackjack, you know, don't. That's going to be my go-to. Blackjack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you got to go to. And I will bet colors anyway. on roulette. So screw you guys. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't do it exclusively. <laughs> is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, don't make that. Yeah. Your, don't make that your only bet. Like, I'm just gonna bet red and black, or just always black. Like, you won't. You're not gonna have fun. You probably won't win anything. Well, it's like flipping a coin, except for it's like a forty-nine to forty-nine to one proposition, right? You get that green. green. Yeah. Yeah. The green. Oh, yeah. Zeros. It it's tough. There it Double is. zero. Look at that. We have uh, squandered some of your life talking about uh, gambling here on the Kingspeed podcast. I love play, playing blackjack. For a long <laughs> like I played for years. I, I like I played a lot of poker and I grew up playing cards with my grandma. So uh, I'm like a card that. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah but here's I was, the thing. You know, I, Brendan, don't play any game that you can play in California because, because you have all the ample opportunity to play that in any one of the places out here in california so play something that you don't see typically at a thunder valley or a sky river or a jackson rancheria or red hawk or whatever the other ones are craps i will try that that just means play craps and play roulette because those are federally regulated games that uh yeah like everything's got to be on the up and up so they're so weird in california uh yeah yeah. we're, we're weird yeah, we are, and and yeah, beware, we'll since you're playing roulette, like I said, beware of the the backwards table or how they reverse everything. That's some that's some voodoo right there. You don't want any of that. What is it? I'll stay on the lookout. Sean, don't know what you're talking about, about but I'll find it. Stuff. Talk Just about make sure stuff. when you when you're looking at, you're like, oh, the 12, 18, and 21, they're on the other side of the table. They're not on the same side of the table as I am. They need to be on the right hand side as you look at it, not on the left hand side as you look at the table. This okay. man gambles. This man. No, I don't. But that's some (laughs) crazy shit. They don't need that. I I feel I stumbled upon that and got (laughs) killed, not realizing one night that I was like, wait a minute, this table's reversed. Completely unrelated to everything that we're talking about. We are a podcast brought to you by Price Picks. So if you're out there and you want to have a good time playing Price Picks, uh, tonight is a good opportunity. They have all kinds of uh, bonus plays for the All Star Weekend. We're just done with football season, so you can't really get on get in on any of the football action. Uh, but I've been doing price picks all season long, having a great time doing it. Uh, failing more times than winning, but actually, I'm doing okay. Like as far as like ups and downs, 
Uh, Keegan Murray dunk let me down a couple of times, but it was back last game. That was huge. Uh, I think I did get let down by the fact that the Kings had no legs and were tired in the game against Denver. But uh, go to prizepicks.com. There's a link down in the description. Uh, use the code word KINGSBEAT, all, ones, all one word, and that will get you matching, I think, up to $100 if you're a first-time player. And uh, enjoy responsibly. Uh, KINGSBEAT pod- podcast brought to you by PrizePix. Is there, there a we price go. pick for uh, Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu? Because I think that would be a fun one to take into the weekend and put some uh, put some action on. I Who haven't looked. On? I, I, well, I want to see what the what the number is there. The the, the I know the prize picks mm-hmm. tends to come up with a, a singular number, but if you're just picking winners here, uh, I'm going to go with Steph because I feel like he's going to definitely be more conscious and and used to the the attention in the moment and uh let's not take anything away from sabrina but um yeah i'll I'll take steph i think that's a safe bet safe Hmm. i i don't know if they're actually on price picks or not um but we'll we'll look how about that um i'm not sure uh anyway let's let's get to let's get to the show um before we we do start the show i do want to um no no i mean in all seriousness uh we want to send some love and support out to scott pollard's family scott pollard um from what i could tell this afternoon uh they have found a heart for scott and he is at vanderbilt university uh probably as we speak undergoing heart transplant surgery uh, former Sacramento Kings legend, Scott Pollard, former survivor, Scott Pollard. Uh, but um, it was a really bad situation and uh, was in need of a heart. And not only that, but because of his size, like being a six foot 10, six foot 11 human being, uh, it had to come with, uh, he needs a much bigger heart than uh, the average normal person. Um, again, he's been in ICU at Vanderbilt for, I want to say like five or six days, um, but that was because uh, things took a turn and he was in pretty uh, quickly failing health. So uh, I want to send uh, all the love and support out to uh, the Pollard family. Hopefully everything goes okay with this, but then the recovery process, hopefully that goes well as uh, too, because um, he's got a long, a long road a- ahead of him. Uh, hopefully everything goes well. And Sean, you had him for an interview. What was that a month ago? Yeah, I think so. Um, wasn't very long ago, and it shows you how quickly things can can change. And because for him, he was not yet in the ICU. There was still, you know, he was registered at not only Vanderbilt but Chicago. But Vanderbilt had the better chance of him finding uh, a heart for his size and someplace he could get to within three hours of getting a heart. And obviously, he was well aware of what that meant uh, in order for him to find a heart. So um, he was. Um, extremely empathetic towards any potential donor and really wanting to bring awareness to, to, you know, organ donation as it is. But um, for him, it's, it's going to save his life. And, and to see him having to be admitted into ICU just a little over a week ago where he's in Vanderbilt and you're basically bedridden and uh, he's showing his, his, his sense of humor, which is great. And Don, his wife has been a, a huge rock next to him as someone who's not only, gone through her own uh, battles with breast cancer, but also, you know, a mother and a wife and seeing what he's going through and um, being there by him by his side the entire time. And 
keeping his spirits up. And, you know, I, I love seeing the, the, the stuff he'd put on social media about, yay, my doctor is a, is a, is a Duke guy. And he's obviously a Kansas fan from a Kansas, you know, legend. Alum. Yeah. Um, alum. Yeah. And so to, to see just the little basketball back and forth and the love for the colleges and seeing shout outs from all over the world. And uh, it's just really, really uplifting. So yeah, it's uh, it, fingers crossed and we're all team Pollard here to see, to see him, you know, kind of come through on this, on the other hand, you know, you know, absolutely healthy and happy and all that stuff, but also absolute blessings and, and, and well wishes for the, for the donation donators family too, because obviously that means they've lost a loved one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, let's get into, uh, the basics here. If you're watching on YouTube, we'd love it. If you gave us a thumbs up, um, you could also, uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, go to the kingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber to the Kings beat. I'm going to try to throw together a happy hour and I'm going to see if I can do it for next week. So in person? not in person, Sean. Oh, like God it's like, it. that would be Dang difficult. It. Well, I mean, if you've got a spot, we can all meet. I would, I would be down for like, I can recommend, I can, I can shout Wednesday one out. And just, <laughs> just, Hey, meet us at this pub. No, let's, let's not all do go that, to Sean's house. That could be a little uh, strange. Yeah. Little strange. Uh, but uh, I'm going to see if we can get something together maybe for Wednesday, because we don't have basketball Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and maybe we can do something before we uh, get back into the regular schedule, which starts on Thursday. There's always that night practice that I worry about, and I'm not sure what day that will be, Sean. Uh, you you and I have both been to that a million times, but uh, I think night that's practice. probably going to be on Tuesday. Yeah, it's where they, they come back from the All-Star break. They report. I think it's usually on Tuesday night. Um, gotcha. So, so I'll get back to everybody. Uh, I'll send out emails, all that stuff, but hopefully we'll be able to get a off the record with the Kings beat virtual happy hour, or if somehow we can swing something crazy, we'll do an, an in-person meet and greet more than a happy hour. Uh, well, we'll do a true happy hour more than we would do a show where we just mingle and, and say hello and meet everybody. Uh, let's get to the basketball side. Uh, Sacramento Kings are clearly on the all-star break. Uh, Keegan Murray will play tonight in the rising stars challenge. He's got a really stacked team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they actually won. Um, are you guys are you guys tuning in all weekend? Uh, just like to watch the festivities, or do you need a basketball break? I mean, I feel like it kind of does work as a break, even if you watch it, to be honest. It's a lot of kind of just messing around and guys having fun. And from our perspective, there's nothing to really analyze or anything like that. So I'll definitely watch it mainly just from an entertainment standpoint. Obviously, not many Kings being involved outside of Keegan in this game. And it's not the type of like Keegan's not the type of player to show out, obviously, in these type of games. So not expecting too much from him, but definitely interested. I mean, I'll, I'll be tuning in because I think it's fun, but mainly for an entertainment aspect really for me sean i'll remind you brendan keegan kind of showed out in last year's game in salt lake city he had a he had an outstanding showing in that game i thought and uh i forget uh yeah he, uh, i don't have the numbers in front of me but definitely remember him being um well being able to well represent uh the the rising stars and i think definitely looking forward to checking in with that uh i know my docket this this uh, you know Friday and uh, going into the weekend is going to be largely filled with high school and college, but uh, I will make time to uh, peruse the All Star Game festivities. I think it's uh, it, like like Brendan said, it's not necessarily basketball. It is a it is a nice break, and I think there's 
inevitably stuff you're going to be talking about for the next day or two uh, back. So I think I froze there, but inevitably things that are that you're talking about um, uh, over the next few days where that have happened uh, typically an all-star weekend. So hopefully it's a whole lot of fun. I know they're going to be freezing cold. I'm not jealous of missing out on Indianapolis this year. I thought Salt Lake City last year was cold enough and uh, very fortunate that the next two all-star games will be in California. Yeah, I think we're going to be at all-star games coming up, whether we want to or not. I mean, it's right down the street, right? So what do we have? We have a uh, next year's chase LA and, and San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, is, is it, this coming year's chase, right? I'm almost positive. Um, yeah. Okay, let's yeah, get to the basketball. Um, since we last talked, the Kings have played quite a few games, but I really want to hyper-focus on, on Tuesday and Wednesday's games. Uh, we had the, the game in Phoenix against the Suns, and then we had the game uh, in Denver to, to close out what is not really the first half of the season, but the pre-All-Star break schedule. Uh, the Kings will have 28 games remaining after we get done with uh, this weekend and they start cooking on Thursday when they, they host uh, Victor women Yama and the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, but uh, Brendan, we'll start with you when it comes to the, the Suns game. I think you walk out of that game, at least in my opinion, thinking, Hmm, that looked like a standard everyday two teams going at it, one team losing in the end and it being an actual competitive real basketball game that felt like a normal NBA loss. Yeah. I mean, I think that really that back-to-back in general, the thing that stood out to me the most is that the Kings made 18 triples in those games combined nine in each. And prior to that, they had only had single digit made threes on two occasions. They didn't win either one of those games. And I think it's finding ways to win when the shot isn't falling by doing all the little things, you know, limiting opposing second chance points and kind of winning that battle on your end as well. The fast break points, maintaining their pace and and just finding ways to really get stops. I, I think that the Kings did a good job defensively in these last two games. Um, obviously, the Denver win and then Phoenix as well, like down the stretch. Sure, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are hitting tough shots, but I thought the Kings did a good job of showing them different looks, like a double one possession and then maybe not the next and kind of keeping them on their toes. And those guys are going to make good looks. I think they had a chance to win that game. I was a little surprised how much Mike Brown mentioned, I guess, the officiating post game and, and was kind of harping on it. You know, I, I think it was understandable. It was some confusing late game calls, but they had a chance to win both of those games even though their shot wasn't falling from three. And I, I think that that's a big step for this team. Yeah, I totally agree. Sean, De'Aaron Fox in the, the game against uh, Phoenix goes for 40 points, nine rebounds, six assists, three steals. Turned the ball over six times, but he shot five of 12 from from three. Uh, 14 of 31 in a regulation game, uh, which is a little bit crazy. But I don't know. What's your perspective on this? Because we've been waiting for the real De'Aaron Fox to stand up, and it kind of felt like that's what happened in this game. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I thought that game, to me, the thing that, I mean, that stood out was you don't have a balanced scoring effort, and you really relied on three guys to get it done to get you over, like, 90 points. And that was alarming. Um, I didn't like the brand of basketball being played, but it felt like much, much like we'll even talk about with Denver. It felt more like a grind out type of game where the Kings have shown the ability to kind of win ugly, 
This game, they didn't. And I think certainly had they pulled it off, you would say, you know, they kind of overcame a lot. Poor shooting from the perimeter, um, obviously some really awful defense. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, it would have been a grind out win where you're like, well, a win is a win. And I think, uh, the, you know, the next night in Denver kind of bared that as well. But speaking to that point, I don't know that. I mean, I, to me, I just don't feel like that's the best recipe to win uh, to have De- De'Aaron Fox out there chucking up 30 shots. But I will say, like, having him aggressive on the scoring end after seeing what we've seen over the past month or so where you're not seeing the deer and Fox has started the season. And I think that's okay. You know, I think him coming back down to earth a little bit, isn't necessarily the worst thing for this team. And we've talked about that uh, in previous podcasts. So um, seeing him and Domas and Monk kind of leading the way, I mean, that to me, that's your three headed monster. And uh, obviously sometimes it's Keegan, but more times than not, it's kind of Malik. So um, at least this year. So, yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen some, some more balance throughout the roster, but uh, they almost pulled that one off. I didn't really think, too much was going to bother me coming out of that loss, but I didn't think that they'd kind of respond the way they do the next night in Denver. I kind of thought that that might be, you know, looking forward to the, to the break here a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to look at the De'Aaron Fox game a little bit differently. I think Fox is for whatever reason, Fox got himself into some sort of funk and it's been, you know, close to six weeks of a funk. And, you know, we're talking about a guy who's averaging 31 a game and gets all the way down to like 26.2 points per game. Like I get regression to the mean and all that stuff, but this felt like it was more. Uh, we had, you know, the the weird stuff with the media there for a little while. We had other things that just seemed like he wasn't right. And in this game in particular, I know it's a TNT game. I know it's going up against Devin Booker, who he loves to play against. It felt like, Fox was going to go for it and and he was going to keep going and he was going to try to get himself right going into the break and in all honesty he could have shot 35 shots I don't care I I think at the end of the day we're watching a player trying to almost like when you when Mike Brown left Keegan Murray in the game in the fourth quarter last year when he was really struggling early in the year and Keegan Murray finds himself in the fourth quarter he did the same thing with Kevin Herter earlier this year, left him in late in the ball game and Kevin Herter kept shooting and shot himself out of a slump. I kind of felt like De'Aaron Fox was like, I, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to win this game, but I also, I need to figure myself out and I need to get right. And I need to like, if this is who we're going to be going into the, in the second half of the season and we didn't make any changes, I've got to be, the guy was the first month or the first two and a half months of the season, not the guy I've been the last six weeks. And so for me, I was actually like applauding whatever it was he was doing because I felt like he was trying to will himself back into the player he has been most of the season. Am I way off base there, Brennan? No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that he's a guy that just gets banged up throughout the course of the year. You know, he plays a pretty physical brand of basketball, the way he drives into the basket. I, I think that, he had a shoulder issue throughout this season. And even sometimes still you see him kind of grabbing at it. I forget which one it is. I want to say it's the right one um, that I I think probably bothered him for a handful of games and probably still has his moments. And you could even go back to the grade three ankle sprain he had earlier in his career. And he's had residual things with that ankle since. And I don't know if it was the same ankle he rolled earlier this year, but I, I think little things like that add up. And it's hard to bring that effort every single night. And that's what he needs to get better at. I think that's part of the process of him developing to 
superstar or knocking on the door, whatever you want to do with that term. But I think that we've seen him take the jump. Now it's just about being able to do it consistently. It feels like this time of season is usually where he's slowing down a bit. And I'm curious to see how he bounces back after the all-star break. I think you're going to get a pretty fresh De'Aaron Fox after the all-star break. And and he's got to be able to keep that up because I'm definitely with you, James. The, The slump has lasted for a little while here. And he's still performing. He still has his moments. But for the most part, the Kings are going to go as far as De'Aaron and Domas take them. And Domas has been extremely consistent, really outside of the Houston games this year, where I think he took four shots in one of those games and and got a lot of criticism for that. I think fairly, he's been super consistent. Those are really the only ones I can think of. And and De'Aaron's been a little bit more up and down. So finding that consistency, I think, is just part of the process for De'Aaron here and also something he hasn't been great at throughout the course of his career. So I'm thinking that the break will be, will be pretty good for him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and Sean, you brought up that this was kind of like a two-man game. Um and that's kind of the way it has been. Uh, we, yeah, it was three. Yeah, Malik Monk had twenty-two off the bench, but your your one A and one B. Sure. Uh, you know, Sabonis goes for 35, 18, and twelve. What we're seeing from Sabonis is so incredibly next level. And I know you've been a proponent of him shooting more and scoring more. We started to see that, and and I kind of. Like when we get to the all-star game stuff, uh, I mean, I to be honest, I just think it's the most embarrassing thing for the league that this guy isn't in the all-star game. What he's done in the first half of the season, um, the consistent the uh, consistency that he's brought, the fact that he hasn't missed a game, the fact that he's leading the league in rebounds, that he's leading the league in double-doubles. He's got 49 double-doubles in 53 games, or is it now 50 in 54 games? Uh, on top of that, he's got 18 triple-doubles, leads the league in triple-doubles. He's sixth in the league in assists at like 8.3 or 8.4 per game. What he's doing is so incredibly next level. I didn't think he had the ability to get better. Like I thought that like this is who he's going to be and we're going to see him kind of plug away at the same rate 
for the next five or six years as he's going through his prime. And we're going to see this is like last season was prime Sabonis. And then all of a sudden he is better. Just what is your your first half take on Sabonis and what we're seeing from him like on a nightly basis? Just the greatness that has that he's become. I mean, you said it. I mean, there's not really much more to add there. The guy is is in my opinion, he's he makes everyone better. Uh, the numbers he's putting out are just in, insane. Him not being at All Star Weekend is it's a shame, but I you know at the same time like I, at the end of the day, it's it, it. I know that the Kings had a higher record at certain points this season, and I think when coaches' uh, votes were due, they were seventh, and here they are eighth. And you know, to me, that shouldn't matter um where where they are when you're putting up practically a triple double every single night and you're doing it with the utmost consistency and you've been clearly the best player through the first half of the season on this Sacramento team so um when you talk about consistency it, it's domas and you can even look at just how identical his numbers are james from the last 3 years i mean it's like 19.9 all the time or 19. Point whatever it was uh with with regularity i mean he's he's so consistent he, even when you put shooters around him and uh experience the success that he's having in sacramento and yeah to see him get better i i think it'd be interesting to talk to him i think he would he would you know when the when the cameras are on he's going to admit to you that that you know he just does what he does but when the cameras are off i think he realizes that he has to be a force for this team to have and sustain any type of success particularly in a playoff series so it'll be interesting to see how that translates. But I, I do want to go back to what, what Brennan, you were talking about De'Aaron Fox a minute ago, and certainly there could be some excuses knocked up shoulder or banged up, excuse me, not knocked up, banged up and shoulder and all that kind of stuff. And playing and, pregnant. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Fox isn't going to make any excuses for himself. He never does. Um, but I, I think it is interesting. If, if you look at some of his scoring numbers over the past, really better part of a month go dating back to maybe the, the last 30 point effort he had in, in Sacramento was the Hornets game and his numbers at home. Granted, they've had very few home games over the course of the last month and a half or so because they've been on the road so much, but he's so much clearly a, a better score and an aggressive score at on the road than he is at home. And that's really kind of, kind of being the one thing that's kind of interesting to me. Like he, he, gets home and and much like the I think the the rest of his teammates there's a comfort level to where uh sometimes you settle a little bit because this team has shown the ability to be much more focused and detailed on the road than they are at home uh and uh, it, it's a little peculiar and I, I think if you really look at the games scoring wise since that double overtime game against uh, Orlando which is one of the greatest moments of the season even though he wasn't factoring too much in the scoring column in that game or even the Pelicans game where he was held to three points there's a, there's there's some pretty eye-opening moments where you're just like huh he's really not bringing it on the home court as opposed to what he does on the on the on the road from a scoring aspect yeah, I think it's interesting Sean over his last uh, before these last two games to close out the break right? Um, and he, he popped off for 70 points in those two games. So, I mean, he was incredible, Right. but the 20 games, it's a, a 20 game stretch before that, which is a perfectly fine quarter of the season's uh, sample size. He was averaging 21.8 points per game. He's shooting 43.9% from the field and 33.6% from three. Not only that, his assist numbers were down to 4.6. His steal numbers spiked, which was interesting to watch him 
like start to take over as a defensive player in some of these games. But that's like eight to 10 points less than what he was doing before that. And it's okay. I, I would even say this, like, it's okay if he's a 25 point per game scorer or 27 point per game scorer, whatever he ends up at. But what you can't be is a 32 point per game scorer for eight weeks and then a 22 point per game scorer for for 20 games and then a 35 point game score for a couple of days. That's one of those things where, Brennan, you brought it up, but his next step, if he is going to reach superstar status or or he is going to hit like, multi multi multi-time all-star status as it he can't be yo-yoing through the season and i was super impressed with him early where it seemed like every night he's scoring 30 and then the drop-off was so dramatic that i don't if you're mike brown and the kings i don't even know how you deal with it because it came out of nowhere and you didn't know it was going to happen and all of a sudden you've got to replace 10 or 12 points a night and that it's seems really easy because you got a bunch of scorers on this team but at the same time like you don't know it when it's happening that that you're going to need that that night. And so I, I you know, again, he's still shooting a lot of shots. He's still doing a lot of things he was doing before. He's just not being as in as efficient and effective. And I, I think it's it's a problem. Like the Kings need to figure that one out. And hopefully he is better in the second half. But kind of a weird way that he's he's finishing. Um, or that he disappeared for 20 games where it really was like a true struggle watching him on a night in night in basis where he's, you know, he, he looks disengaged some of the time. And I didn't think I'd see that from him, especially after the way he started the season. You so. can definitely see it, you know, like there's a level of aggression on the nights where you can tell that he's going to, he's going to have a good one. And defensively, like you said, he's been bringing it, but sometimes like, he's just not, it, it almost looks like he's too willing to just, let other guys have their turn. I, I think that he could be a little bit more aggressive sometimes. And I also think he could go back to that mid range a little bit more. You know, I, I think that the, the three ball, I like that a lot of the twos have turned into threes. I think for most part, that's a good thing, but the mid range has disappeared, not disappeared, but it, it's very rare now. And that was his bread and butter last year. And really, last couple years. And I think the last couple of games you've seen him get back to it a little bit more like late game scenarios. He's going to pull that out. Right. But I think that he could get to it a little bit more often. I think that that's a great shot for him. And again, I like that they're turned into threes. I think that's also part of the process here of this is the year where he became a good shooter and he's getting up high volume. And I think the next step in that process is okay. Like how do I still mix in this mid range? Because he's elite from there. And I think he could get back to that a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. And also, I, I'd like to point out, too, it's like, you know, he has some tough shooting nights, but look at the nights that he has some tough shooting nights against, and they're typically against some really good defensive teams. So I think, you know, kudos to some of those teams that defend him a certain way, um, especially when you look like the Pelicans, for example. I know he had one 30-point game, but there were two others where he was just kind of not a, a non-factor when it came to scoring. So Pelicans, certainly one team. I remember the Clippers um, – uh, Orlando, obviously that, that game there. I mean, there's just certain teams that can give him some fits and, um, you know, Cleveland is another team that just off the top of my head where he had a terrible shooting night. Um, so sometimes he'll even get up to 18 points and you're like, oh, you know, he still wasn't very good in, in that game. Um, so I think, I think a lot of it also comes to the way some teams defend him. It yeah. makes me think of real quick. Sorry. It makes me think yeah. of 
Tyrese's second year before he got traded, um, I, they played OKC. And after the game, Tyrese had a great game. And uh, Deard pointed out, you know, like he was the one getting guarded by Lou Dort the whole night, yeah. you know, and right. that makes life easier for Tyrese. And that's still that still holds true now. He's still going to get the toughest defender and make life easier for some other guys. No, I, I totally agree. Um, let's kind of get to, well, let's finish up with the Denver game. Um, dirty, nasty, grind out, gritty. I'll, I'll, I've said it on the radio and I'll say it again here. I think it's the best win of the year. I thought that the Kings had no legs. You could see it right away, but they didn't have a lack of energy. Their, their energy level is good. Their activity level was good. They're still getting deflections. They're still fighting. You know, Keegan Murray, I thought was tremendous running around and doing all these things. He just was over five from the field. And you could see all of the shots coming up short, but they, they kept giving themselves an opportunity by whether it was playing defense for stretches or it was, you know, like figuring out other ways, getting to the free throw line. Shout out to Harrison Barnes for like having a moment where it's like, Hey, we need to get to the line to slow this thing down a bit. But I, I thought they figured out a way to get under the skin of Jokic and they just kept, kept themselves in the game. And then when they had an opportunity, they figured it out. Um, and again, I'll, I'll go on record as saying, I think that that's their best win of the year. Um, and watching De'Aaron Fox in that game where he goes back to who he was last year, it was like, that is the player we saw all last season, fourth quarter Fox. He ends up with, 15 of his 30 points in the in the final quarter and he carried the team uh, he scored what the last 10 to to come away with a victory where are you guys at with this game because again it's just one that stands out it's it's not because it's the most recent one but it's one that stands out because when everything was going wrong they didn't lose their way and we've seen that way too many times this season where a couple a bad quarter and all of a sudden this team's lost their way and and they can't find it back Sean. Oh, John. So I thought Brennan was going to start. Sorry about that. Uh, no, I mean, shoot. I don't know. I, I, I like the way they closed out. I mean, that's an easy game to pack up and, and, you know, three, two, one Cancun. And at, to me, that's exactly what Denver looked like. Uh, Denver looked like, I'm not trying to take credit away from the Kings here by any means, but Denver is obviously going through a, a, a skid here and they look like, you know, you talk about the Kings, everyone, everyone needs the, the all-star break in the NBA in the worst way. And, Certainly Michael Malone's group is, is no different to that. <clears throat> uh, not having Jamal Murray in that game, I think really affected them. And, you know, so you've talked about it, James, like these three games that the, that the Kings have played against Denver kind of makes me think a little bit differently. Uh, I still don't think that they can beat them in a playoff series, but for some reason they've matched up very well against them. Uh, and uh, that was probably, I, I go back even two years ago, when right before Jokic wins the MVP award, I'm watching him in Sacramento as to start the season. And I'm like, this dude looks like Pugsley Adams. Like this guy <laughs> is just not a factor right now. He, and he went on to, you know, play himself into some much better shape and, and go on to have an MVP performance, but didn't start out very well. So um, good for him. And I mean, to see him to, I mean, he's obviously been just a unbelievable hall of fame type player uh, even, even this year and to see him kind of be, handled the way he was um by the kings was 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 i think a blessing because the kings if they if they lose that game and you're looking at this 
you know, three games or however many games going into the, yep. yeah, going into the all-star break to, to have that win. You mentioned Fox to come alive in the fourth quarter. You, you, you know, I think he's putting together some aggressive scoring nights and um, just collectively to see this group kind of feel much better about going into the all-star break where you have to get away and, and decompress. And then all of a sudden look to Tuesday when you all gather back in Sacramento again uh, and team that doesn't really have a lot of home games to finish out the month but then you've got a ton of home games in march and it's going to be some the schedule is going to be pretty tough a lot of back-to-backs i think it's like the fifth hardest schedule in the league from a from a from a team standpoint that the kings will have so um what a difference a win will make and they've shown the ability i told i said it just a minute ago talking about how they lost in phoenix had they been able to pull that game out you look at the way they won this game james brennan like you're talking a 16-point first quarter, 36 points at the half, and then you go on and do that, you know? Uh, and you got in their head a little bit. I mean, you know, there was frustrations. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you saw Jokic get a tee. He was about to get tossed if Michael, Mo- Michael didn't save him. Well, yeah. Michael took the attention away from from Jokic very quickly and got him his technical, got the technical. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some there's – some, frustrations there for sure for this defending champion team but uh looking at the from a king standpoint like this is the exact type of thing you needed to happen because if you just plummeted a little bit more uh it could have really affected the mindset and the the i mean shoot that game think about that you're eighth you know everybody around you is winning the west is so cluttered and talented this year and you have an exact same record as you did last year through 54 games we are at the season and um i really feel like the mental the mental uh state of this team is about as roller coaster as as the fans are in reacting to wins and losses you know one night they could be feeling great uh, you take one loss and all of a sudden they're back in the dumps and you know, you look at it every game from here on out. Mike Brown and De'Aaron Fox said this much as much after the win in Denver. Every game is going to be so magnified and every, it has such a weight to it. And it's every need, every win is going to be needed. And here you are eighth and you're trying to stay out of that play in tournament. So uh, I think I think it was a monumental win for them. I don't know if it was the best of the season. I was just trying to think about that when you mentioned, but it's certainly in the conversation. Yeah, before Brendan kicks in, we must tell you that Pugsley Adams is part of the Adams family, yeah. Brendan. He is, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that one. He's the younger brother. Uh, the Adams family is a movie also in a TV a movie series and a television from back show. in the 50s, 60s. I honestly have only heard the name. so I'm sure you've seen the Jenna Ortega character, uh, Wednesday, her own Netflix series. It comes from... I know of it. Okay, that's so Wednesday that, Adams. That comes from that? Oh. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So Pugsley is, is the portly little brother and that is exactly what he looked like at the beginning of that season sean running up and down the court see people think we just mess around this is an educational podcast this is an educational show (laughs) people (laughs) helping people that's what we do people exactly Uh, pugsley adam go ahead brendan i mean they it was a great game i mean to hold denver even without jamal murray to 39 percent from the field less than 100 points that's a big win for the Kings. And you look at these last four games, it's all Western conference opponents. You know, now they've improved to three and oh, these, these season series are going to matter down the line and maybe not with Denver or OKC. Those teams might just be ahead of Sacramento, but you never know who could slip back down if the Kings went on a run, for example, but now you're three Oh against Denver, you're two and one against OKC and you're even at two, two against Phoenix with one game left to go 
thanks to the the play-in created a game with Phoenix when the Kings lost and, and Phoenix lost as well to LA. Um, so pretty big. And I think that this team believes they can be anybody when they're playing at their best. And I think that these type of games help solidify that belief, you know, and especially now that they got Mason Jones there, they could do anything really. Huh? Mason Jones <laughs> game changer. Uh, no. Yeah. No, I, hate. no, I, hate. I, I like, I, Mason I don't Jones. get it. I don't want just get messing it. around. Uh, yeah, Brendan, to that point. Okay, so the Kings are 2-0 against the Mavericks. They're 3-0 against Denver. They they split the season series with uh, with the Warriors 2-2. These things matter. The, the fact that they're they're 0-2 against the Clippers with two games left is a problem. But they're 2-0 Don't against... Don't look at the Pelicans. Yeah, oh, no, no. They they got slaughtered 4-0. Uh, but the Lakers, they're 2-0 against the Lakers. Like all of these matter, even the the Minnesota series, they're split one game apiece with one game left. This is a good thing that that you bring up that, you know, again, getting they need to get that final win against Phoenix because that could come back to matter. It could it could be the difference in you being a play in team and you being like a, a team that finishes with the sixth seed. And right now they're in the eighth seed, but like really close to the eight. I mean, like they're all bunched up. Um, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, there was I have a question else. for you guys. Yeah. If that's all right. Um, and then I just totally lose it. Hold on. I got this. Was that my um, fault? Maybe you should turn that light on. No, off I figured it out. I figured it out. Yeah, I was thinking that too in the middle of it. You're not helping, Sean. Um, <laughs> so we see Chris Duarte get some run in that game. Wins defensive player of the game crown, right? Um, Alex Len is is getting run in that game instead of JaVale McGee. James, you and I asked uh, Coach Brown after the last home game the difference between Alex and JaVale and kind of deciding there. You're seeing Davion why in the world would minutes. you play JaVale? Right, go ahead. You know, we tried to nicely be like, can, like, are we just going to play Alex or what? Um, <laughs> but there's that. There's Keon playing with Davion a bit now. Sometimes those two guys playing with De'Aaron Fox. So there's some inconsistency i guess with the rotation and mike brown has pointed to steve kerr a lot saying that what he learned one of the big things he learned from him is it's good to put these guys in throughout the course of the year because it helps them stay engaged and motivated even in practices and their individual workouts just knowing coach could throw me in at any minute so i see the benefit in that but post all-star break as the season winds down do you think it's important to find some consistency with that rotation I'm going to take the opposite approach and tell you that I think Mike Brown has been extremely consistent with his rotation all year long. And people look at me and go, what? I, I think he's played the same seven guys most of the minutes, most of the season. And then whatever's left, it goes to whoever has either had a good run or had a good couple of practices, or it could be matchup-based uh, where you you could – you know, maybe use a center or not use a center. I think on occasion you've had a couple of injuries that have caused you to go a little bit different outside of like the early season stuff with, with Kevin Herter and the starting five. I think, you know, again, Mike has been relatively consistent. Now the fact that Davion Mitchell is playing now where he wasn't before. Okay. But Keon Ellis was playing those same minutes. Like there, there's only so many minutes and you got to star at center you got to start point guard. So you only might have like 12 minutes at those two positions. Um, you know, you got a budding young guy and Keegan Murray, he's going to play 35 minutes tonight. Like there just aren't a lot of minutes. And sometimes it means Sasha Vizenkov is going to step on the court, but I almost look at all of those players as like the same player, just who's going to get an opportunity. 
in in a small stretch, whether it's five games, whether it's 10 games. And so I get what you're saying, but I also think that like there is a certain amount of this is just that he doesn't have 10 guys that he can rely on. He doesn't have a set rotation of 10 guys. And realistically, the team isn't deep as deep as we thought it was. The second that Trey Lyles doesn't play in a game and Sasha Vizinkov is out with a rolled ankle, they had they got nothing off the bench. They literally got three points outside of Malik Monk off their bench. That's just that's not what you would expect. But if you look at the players, that's who they are. They're all defensive minded guys that you're trying to plug and play. So I I think Mike has been relatively consistent. It's just that sometimes the consistency means, you know, player A, 1A and player 1B are, you know, they're interchangeable. And whether that's Keon Ellis and Davion Mitchell, or it's uh, JaVale McGee and Alex Len, or name that player, like they're just kind of interchangeable pieces. And I, I don't know that it's been that inconsistent. Yeah, and it's yeah. not about points, man. I mean, they had dudes that are scoring 30, 40, you know what I mean? And then you've got two 20s in the last game. So you've got, what is it, Barnes, you had Domas, and you had Fox. I mean, the bulk of your scoring goes right there. Um, you just need guys to come in and impact the game in other ways. You don't necessarily need scoring. This isn't it, – it's just wild to me how much that gets attention. But, I mean, you've got – as long as Malik Monk is scoring, you're going to be fine, you know? As long as you got guys who are putting up bulk bulk numbers, it's like you need defense. You need guys to fucking rebound. You guys need you need guys to get paint touches. You need all these other things that impact the game that are outside of scoring. So uh, the the trouble is is Mike Brown has to find guys that don't absolutely wet the bed on the other end of the floor. Like if you can impact the game defensively, but all of a sudden create a hole offensively, that's not good enough. And so having guys that can be two-way players in short stints are that's really, really difficult. And he obviously doesn't have a ton of trust going one through, you know, anything from seven to, to really 12 or beyond. So just getting guys active and involved and, and staying, staying connected to the, to the fabric of the team and rewarding small successes, even if they come and blow out losses or practices, as you mentioned, James, like those are those are huge to just the connectivity of the team, um, but at the end of the day, like let's 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 call a spade a spade. There's not a lot of trust, you know, outside of one through six, and even then, sometimes there's moments, and we've seen that throughout the throughout the course of the season. So um, I, I think, and we've talked about this. Like I think so much of this, Brendan, is is building your team to be able to withstand absences and be able to. You know, you've talked about James. You know the the the, the injury to Sasha Vezinkov, and you've got, um, you know, Chris Duarte back rather quickly from a what looked like a pretty gnarly ankle injury, and you've got little moments along the way a Trey a Trey Lyles uh, illness, but you haven't sustained like a, you know, knock on wood like this really really terrible gruesome injury that's going to keep somebody out over a month or or more, and when you get into the playoffs, like you're going to have to rely on somebody. There's always going to be an X factor that ends up impacting the game in a way that gets you a win that, you know, that maybe you didn't expect, or maybe was outside of the game plan. So uh, that, that, that could be a guy like JaVale McGee at one point in the playoff series. That could be a guy like Keon Ellis at one point in the playoff series. The one thing I'm happy to see is that, you know, for a team that sorely needs defense, I do like what Davion Mitchell brings night in, night out. 
And I think he's showing that, you know, maybe there was a message that needed to be sent sent there at one point. I still think we can pick apart some various things in his game, but I think more times than not, like he's part of the the, the rotation when it's at its best. Yeah. Well, real, real quick, um, yeah. like Davion, Davion shot the ball well recently. Yes. Last 13 games, he's played in all of them. He's knocked down 45% of his threes, 11 to 24. Now, there's still some ugly, gross, disgusting misses in there. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think that he's playing within himself offensively, which has been pretty valuable. And um, Sean, if if hopefully you don't mind me sharing, you told me one day about like an opposing team talking about like kind of like, God, we have to play Davion tonight, right? you know? And I, I think that there's a lot of value in him just being a pest. Like, obviously, we know what he brings defensively, and I think fitting in offensively is pretty important. Um, but I wanted to ask you something. You mentioned top six rather than seven of the level of trust, right? And I think we've heard you talk about that before. And Trey, obviously, in my mind, being like the clear seven, but there's a big gap between six and seven, right? But I also think there's a decent gap between seven and eight, really, after Trey. Um, so I'm curious where you're at with your impression of like the level of trust currently with Trey Lyles and just how you feel about Trey going into the end of this season and even postseason. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I'd be speaking for Mike Brown. I, I think I'd have to speak for myself here. Like I can understand people not having that level of consistency and trust with him. Um, I, I mean, that doesn't necessarily even mean Trey Lyles, for example. I mean, we saw it with Kevin Herter, you know, you've seen it with, with Harrison Barnes at various points this season. So, you know, Mike Brown definitely has a trust in Harrison Barnes and the one thing that Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter does is draw the offense or draw the defense, right? They stretch the floor. You can't just leave them open. They're an absolute bucket. Trey Lyles, on the other hand, has shown to be a bucket, but I mean, is he really drawing opposition all the time? Um, especially if, I mean, especially some of the ways that they play him. I liked him when he's been the, the you know, the center at, at moments in this season. Um, I don't know if the numbers bear out that way, but the eye test certainly has been there. But um, yeah, I think there's, in any given night, I think they, he has six players that he knows he can trust. And whether it be Harrison, HB, or excuse me, HB, Herder, Lyles, there's always that one floater that, that maybe you're not going to be so cons- so trusting of or, or may not bring it that night. Or, you know, maybe it's Malik on some nights where he's talk- chucking the ball all over the gym and and he's not scoring. And now, now your identity is taken away from this team and you look like a different team. So uh, I, I feel like when I say one through six, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's directed at any one person. Like if you're looking at your depth chart and you go to seven and you're like, oh, that's that's Trey Lyles. Certainly I can see how someone gets that. But I think what I'm talking about is more one through six and the fact that there's always going to be that one player that that okay, I don't trust this guy based off the way he started off, or this guy's fouling a lot, or this guy's got so many turnovers, or this guy's got an off night. But one through six collectively, you pretty much know what you're going to expect from any given night, and there there comes the trust. So um you could say that you know most teams don't have that, but I feel like most coaches with with really good teams know what the roles are. I mean, someone brought up the other day, and I forget, forgive me where I heard this, but it's like you know, guys knew Rick Adelman. All right, it's this minute, Mark. I'm getting up. I'm going in to check into the game. And I'm not saying he's the end-all, be-all great coach or anything, but roles are so defined. Um, I I don't think people have to be reminded of their roles throughout the 
throughout the course of a season on a really, really good team. And this is what this team battles with. This is the whole good to great. Can you become this great team? And I think roles are still sometimes being figured out on this team, more so on the end of the roster than so much for the top of the roster. So uh, I think that is things that this team and this coaching staff in particular really battle with from a night in, night out basis. Yeah, I would say, in my opinion, Brendan, Trey Lyles is number seven, and and then it dips from there. Like, because that's where that, that number eight piece is where we have no idea who's playing from one night to the next. And Trey Lyles is shooting over 40% from three. He's the, like, statistically speaking, he's almost identical to what he was last year. Uh, like, his numbers are, like, last year he averaged 7.6 points per game. This year he's at 7.6. Last year he's at 4.1 rebounds. This year he's at 4.5. He's, like, 0.3 better assists. Is like, almost all of his numbers... Last year he shot forty five point eight percent from the from the field, and this year he's at forty six point three, so like 0.05 difference. And then he's improved as a three point shooter. Last year it was thirty six point three, this year it's forty. Um, so when I look at him, I, I do look at him as like the seventh guy, and then a a huge like I don't know who's gonna play, and that's a like I think that that's okay. Because we always talk about like Mike Brown's rotation is really like eight and a half, maybe nine. And sometimes it goes up to like nine and a half. But like that means that like three guys are playing like like three quarters of a role. Um, I do think that like Sean, you brought up a really good point. And we haven't seen this team with a major injury. And I don't know how they could handle a major injury, to be honest. I, I think even last season. They didn't have to play with like they most of their guys were healthy most of the season. But even last year, I felt more confident in a guy's ability to step into a role and fill it, even if it was, you know, De'Aaron Fox going out and, and having to have Davion Mitchell step in. I felt more confident with who Davion was last season than who he is this year. And I think that's part of the the problem that we see that like they are one injury away from being like in in some trouble. And most of their starters, almost almost all of their starters have played within like one or two games of of every game. Like, you know, Domas hasn't missed a game. I think Keegan's missed one or two. Uh, Harrison Barnes hasn't missed a game in three years. Uh, I think Kevin Herter missed one game. Like most of these guys are, are playing every single night. And if there does come a point where you have a huge issue with an injury, I don't think this team is built to withstand that at all. And I was worried about that last year, but it's something that, again, you get so used to guys not missing games that we kind of stopped worrying about it, right? And But it should still be lingering out there. I, I also realized I got away from the point I was trying to make with the Rick Adelman thing because uh, I got distracted. But one of the things, too, that you would see, and again, he had a very good to great team, which was it didn't matter what the other team did. If he went big, small, if they, you know, whatever – when a zone Adelman went with the same guys all the time. Right. And now he had a team that was, I think, I mean, we can all agree was much more talented and uh, cohesive as a group uh, from a depth standpoint compared to this team, which is probably the most depth they've had since those teams. But Mike Brown has shown a penchant for really being kind of a tinkerer. Oh, they went small. We have to react. Oh, they went big. We have to react. And sometimes, you know, that was my game. That was my criticism in the Phoenix game prior, the first game in Phoenix, another one when they in Philly, when the team went small, you know, they, it came at the expense of pulling Domas. I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, he was feasting on this team on both teams. Like you don't have to pull Domas. So 
Um, not to say that I've got all the right answers. I, I, I don't, but uh, from a coaching standpoint, I think sometimes you could just go with your most cohesive and consistent, throw your best lineup out there and who gives a shit if somebody's going small or big or whatever. And, you know, see what you have for now, obviously if you go six, eight minutes and you have to make an adjustment, you make your adjustments. But uh, I think sometimes they worry a little bit more about what the team is doing or the other team is doing compared to what they're doing. I think you see that a lot with Trey at the backup five, like that feels like it only gets pulled out when the other team is small. I feel like I remember it against Indiana this year where Obi Toppin or maybe it's Jabari Walker is their backup five or Jarris Walker and golden state as well i remember seeing it It feels like he's kind of matching the other team which i i agree with you i don't i don't think you love to see that and there's moments where i think that's appropriate but like last year i I remember trey's like big almost i guess like coming out game at the backup five was in minnesota when domas fouled out and it was so big that he was able to pull rudy gobert out of the paint and so I, i think that um yeah they have been a little reactionary for me when it comes to the rotations, but I, I don't know. I think solidifying something could be, could be helpful as the season winds down. And I mean, honestly, when you talk about Alex Len JaVale McGee, like I, I just think Alex is straight up better. Like JaVale offers the lob threat, which is valuable in the pick and roll. But I think Alex really does everything else better. And even in the pick and roll, Alex is actually setting screens. JaVale is slipping and then trying to get to a lob threat, which has its value for sure. But Alex sets good screens. He's better in the DHO game. Um, When coach got asked about it, he pointed out like Alex had some issues with offensive fouls earlier in the year, just foul trouble in general. So it's not like he's without his flaws, but that one, man, I just think Alex is straight up better. I I don't really think there's two ways about it. I I don't. I I mean, I agree with you, Brennan, hundred percent. I'd also like Sean tier Rick Adelman point. I just want to, I give a little bit of a perspective or a wrinkle to what you're saying. I think we all remember Rick Adelman coaching this great team and you know, it's, it's Mike Vivian and Doug, Doug and, and, and Bobby as a backup and, you know, the front line is Stoyakovic and Weber and, and uh, Divots. And then you also have your other guys coming off the bench that, you know, Funderburk and Scott Pollard, uh, Hito Turkaloo. That was year like five. It wasn't right. year two of what they were doing. You forget that Tariq Abdul-Wahed was a shooting guard in year one, and Terry DeHair was on that team. You get to number, year two, and Nick Anderson is on the team. And, you know, so, like, I think that's where we still are in this. Well, well, yeah, but if you go back, if you remember, he didn't tinker. Again, if a team went small, he's he's keeping what his core is. He's not he's not going super deep into his bench. And I don't care if it was the '99 team when he took over, or if it was the '06 team. Like that never really he didn't venture much from that. Like he had his core, and he stuck with his core by and large throughout the most of the season. Yeah, I just think that as as the the team developed, he got more and more you know, like you had to diversify, you had to like, you, you, you had guys who had a lot more defined roles and, and like, look, I'll say like, there's never been a next man up mentality coach. Like, like what we saw out of Rick Adelman. And it wasn't just in Sacramento, it was everywhere he went, like whether it was Portland before he got to Sacramento or the great run that he had in Houston, where, you know, he started losing Yao Ming and uh, Tracy McGrady in the middle of a 21 win run or whatever it was. He lost one of them in game like 12 and one of them game 13 and just kept winning. Like, I I agree with you there, but I also would venture to say that we're, we need to allow this team to, to actually fill the voids and, and have 
the five or seven man core that they should have, which I don't think that they fully have established moving forward. They have a five or seven, I mean, like a seven, eight man core right now. But will that seven man core, eight man core be the same that it is when they become who we hope that they become is like more of a contending team. And I don't know that that this is a group that will get there. Well, uh, yeah, the roster could look completely different by the time yeah. that they get to that point, if they get to that point. But yeah, totally. no, it's more of a day to day coaching than than anything else. Yeah. Well, so do you think that's a criticism of the front office and how they built this team? Or is this just this no. point in the process, really? Yeah, I think it's this point because I think there's a lot of people that look at, oh, how come you didn't get Demonis Sabonis help and how come you didn't add a power forward or a solid wing or all these things? And it's like, I don't think people give enough um, credence or respect to the fact that what happened this offseason? They extended Demonis Sabonis. Like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that you that you were able to, to if not extending Demonis Sabonis, you would have had more money to go and play with. And again, I don't think that they wanted to do these overpays and they want to get what they want and patience is a virtue. I get all that, but you don't have some of the things that you probably need around Demona Sabonis by virtue of extending him. And these are why you want to try to address things when you, when you get them in terms of, you know, what can you sign? What can you trade for at the deadline? It doesn't stop there. You've got the draft, then you've got the off season. There's all times of opportunity to be able to add to this roster and you don't have to do it necessarily right away. Yeah. I would say, that running it back has proven not to be the greatest idea and that you needed to mix it up some. You needed to mix it up at coming into the season. And I understand tinkering, trying to give guys like Javel McGee, Sasha Vazenkov, Chris Duarte, like some sort of, you know, ability to fit in and, and make a difference. But also you got like two weeks into the season, you got a month into the season, you got six weeks, eight weeks, like every single step every milestone you could see that there wasn't something right with this team. And that's where I would say, like, I don't agree at all with, with leaving the roster the way it is. And sometimes you, you can't make the change that you need to make, uh, which is totally understandable. But at the same time, like this barring, like this team being something that they haven't been the entire season, which is consistent and consistently good. I, I have a hard time believing that like this team is going to magically turn everything around and all of a sudden be like a, a four or five seed that has a legitimate shot at making it to the second round. There's a possibility that they can make it to the second round, but there's also a higher likelihood that there'll be a play in team and, and even a possibility that they won't make the playoffs. And that's not where I would like to play. That's not the gray area I would like to be in if I were running a front office, like with the potential like as of right now, which which is what I was going to bring to the business of basketball. So the business no. of basketball. <laughs> no. Was that the noise? I forget. No, that was I'm more like it. it. But the last one you did the ESPN. I debated doing the ESPN. You went full Megatron right there on my end. Yeah, that was a little strange, Sean. Um, yeah, so here's what like I, I'm looking at this and I don't feel all that comfortable. Because people, like someone said, uh, we were in, fiber, in, perhaps. In, in the chatty in the chatty house today, right? Someone said, well, this is just year two. And my question would be, year two of what? Because this team is the eighth seed right now. They're not a playoff team. They're a play-in team. And the teams that are around you are, 
the star-studded Dallas Mavericks, the star-studded Golden State Warriors, the star-studded Los Angeles Lakers. That's the four teams that, if the season were to end today, you're going to compete with for a play-in spot. Maybe the Kings are better, but they also aren't going to get the calls. They're going to have to beat each one of those teams. Beat them, like if if they got to a play-in. If you don't make the playoffs, there is no, this is year two. This is year one again well, if true. they somehow make the playoffs next it's year. It's year two. <laughs> it's year two. Well, it's year two in like who does number two work for? Right. It, it's it, the year it's the year two of what they're trying to build of a of a continuity of a roster that's going to hopefully in their eyes contend in a playoff scenario and sustain playoff success. Like this is their vision of what they're putting together. So I can understand someone calling it year two. I'd argue it's more like year three. Um, but, but if they don't is, make the playoffs, then it's I'm with year you. zero. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I did <laughs> say though, you know, at the start of the season that you can finish worse in the standings and, and be better suited to make a deeper playoff playing run or excuse me, playoff run. But I will say this, you, you say they're eighth. I get that they're a game and a half from fifth, which they were for a greater part of the season. Yeah. So they've shown the ability to be fifth. They're a game and a half from that. So, you know, the season doesn't end on February 16th. So are they three, three games from being 10th? I, I think what you could say, no, they're yeah, true. But I think you could also look at it and say, you know, do you believe this is a play playoff or excuse me, playing? Do you believe this is a playoff team? Do you believe this is a team that can, you know, potentially go deeper into the playoffs this season than they did last season? No, this is also a team that could find themselves on the outside looking in. So I, I don't with, think that this is a team that you have any confidence would win a playoff series. Not the way they played this season. So you say any playoff series? Well, I mean, maybe you get somebody who's injured and you go into, I, I don't know, but as of today, I mean, no, I would just, have, you, I would have very it's, it's little. Probably, it's probably tough for them to be favored, but I think they could, you know, I agree. I think there's at least four opponents that they could meet in the playoffs that they could beat in a playoff series. Okay. I also think that they're probably six that can beat them without any question. Yeah. So, and my point isn't that, you know, like, like this is maintain and improve, right? Just to, which I, I know Monty didn't particularly love me throwing that back to him. I don't know that they've maintained and they certainly haven't improved straight up. Well, they, I think they've maintained. I mean, the, I, they have an identical because the record. record's the same. No, uh, they, well, not only that, but your personnel's the same. Your, your, you, you, your problems and your things that you're good at are exactly the same. That hasn't really, that hasn't really changed. So you have maintained improve. I don't think it's for lack of trying. I mean, they almost landed Pascal Siakam. They didn't. But you didn't because you weren't willing to give up Keegan Murray. So that's part of the maintain, right? So if you're keeping your core around, and again, this is not what I keep arguing to people is this is not the only opportunity to fix your basketball team. I mean, they're building this for not this year. They're building it for many years, for several years. And again, I like I said, when I, I think I deserved an Oscar for playing the part of Monty McNair, maybe I just needed my vest. I think I don't own a vest. But yeah. when I told you that they believe in their product, they believe in their team, they believe that this team can catch 
a six game win streak, better position themselves in the West and be able to make a sustain a playoff run. They also want to see what this group is capable of playing in a playoff series that is potentially against a different opponent than the Golden State Warriors. Hmm. I, I think the big improvements this year are De'Aaron taking a big step from three and the process we've talked about earlier in this pod even and, and plenty of other times that he's taken a step and also Keegan defensively I think has been huge and and some of the off the dribble stuff that they're just playing with a little bit more throughout the course of this season I I think those two things have been really big for long-term development of this team and the timeline I look at really is when is Keegan going to get on his next contract and find a way to go get a third star or if you want to call it a 2b or whatever during that time and take advantage of that and you probably got what two more off seasons and two more deadlines, something close to that when it comes to that. So I think that that's kind of the timeline I'm looking at for what the eventual continued development of this team is. And I think there has been individual progress that will be pretty beneficial for them in later years. I agree with the timeline. I just disagree that like this season matters. And if you take a step back and you're not, you're not in the playoffs, like I, I don't know like what that what this offseason looks like if they're not in the playoffs. And and I do know that they don't give up their first round pick, which means that now their 25, 26, and 27 first round picks are tied up again. And like it would be pretty catastrophic as far as team build and everything else. Plus, again, you can't have a playoff streak that begins with one season and then the next season they don't make the playoffs. That's not a playoff streak. That's that's not a playoff run of seasons so got to figure it out all right real quick we gotta we gotta jet out of here i gotta go jump on the radio uh do we have any quick thoughts final thoughts for me i got two i'll keep it quick when coming into town drove past allegiance and they're taking down all the super bowl stuff good get that shit out of my face i don't want to see it Mm. absolutely not hell no i better not see anything kansas city related while i'm out here and i'm gonna do sean's psychopath roulette method a little later and the other thing i got i don't know if you guys have heard is the orlando magic are bringing back this old theme song and it's stuck in my head it's the catchiest thing ever if you haven't heard it it's a orlando magic orlando magic oh listen to it it's great it's stuck in my head and it's the greatest thing in the nba this year one more time (laughs) how'd that go orlando magic orlando magic oh Watch, listen to it. I'm telling you, telling you, karaoke, karaoke on the way, Sean. I'm telling you. Oh no. Oh yeah, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about a possible karaoke venture, and what what his song. I would would do karaoke. I would go do that with you guys. Okay, final thoughts, Uh, Sean. My final thoughts: a lot of high school basketball around. Uh, I don't know if anyone's into that kind of thing, but there's some really cool matchups. I know they're going to be at Golden One Center soon. Section playoffs, NorCal's, and then State right around the corner, and then a lot of good college basketball. Uh, I didn't know we were going to talk about the Niners. Oh, that's heartbreaking. We're not. We're not. Oh, My fault. We're not, though. Brutal. Yeah, that's a tough one. Disgusting. Bro. Um, Disgusting. I'll leave it at that. All right. That. Yeah. James's oh, just final oh, thoughts. First of all, sorry. Quickly. Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark. Amazing. Unbelievable. Like, unbe- if, if no one's watching her, you're, do- you're doing yourself a disservice if you like the game of basketball. It It's unreal. Unreal. Yeah, she's great. Um. All right. That's going to do it for the... Th- I, I don't have any final thoughts. I don't. <laughs> All right, we got to run. You're late. You got to go. I'm late. I got to get on the radio. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to the King's Beat Podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. We will be back soon. We will talk maybe some all-star game stuff, uh, but certainly 
more second half of the season. And I'll work on that whole uh, off the record with the Kingsby virtual happy hour. So for Box 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse podcast, I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you soon.